Welcome to the weekly podcast, recorded live at Glory City Church, Brisbane. We hope you are blessed by this week's sermon. Lord, this is the day that you have made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. Father, I thank you that you are God of the impossible. I thank you that it's a new day and a new era. And Lord, I thank you, Lord, that you would help us refine our focus, Lord, so that we can fix our eyes on the things that you have laid up in store for us to do. God, I thank you that you would birth hope in the listeners of everyone who hears this message. God, that you would birth fresh hope in their hearts. In the mighty and the holy name of Jesus, and everybody said, amen. Hallelujah. Well, our focus determines our direction. What you focus on is where you're going to go. I, when I first got my driver's license, it took a little while um, because mum and dad weren't that keen about me practicing in their cars. So I didn't quite, I didn't get my license till I was able to buy my first car, praise the Lord, saved up my pennies teaching piano while I was at, at uni and I bought my first car and I, I learnt, I got driver's lessons. Um, I was dating Tom at the time, we had, he taught me once and we decided that for the sake of our relationship, we wouldn't do that again. Um, so I, I got some proper driving lessons and then I got my license, hooray! And then I drove and I'm like, do they let, why are they letting me do this? I remember sailing through a red light and thinking, oh, oh, oh dear. <laughs> so mum, in her wisdom, um, got all of us a defensive driving course soon after we got our license. I think I was born to be driven. <laughs> anyway, praise the Lord. The angels are very busy when I get in the car. And so we went and did a driving, uh, defensive driving course. And they'd put these cones and oil pans. It was quite fun. And teach you how to control a car when it was getting out of control. Great fun. Highly recommended. And, um, and they'd, they'd say to you, don't focus on the cone, but focus on the space between the cone. Because if you're looking at the cone you're trying to miss, you're going to hit it. Because what you focus on determines your direction. This is a truth that the enemy knows. He knows that if he can get your attention, he can get you to start traveling off course. God wants to be our best thought by day or by night. Hallelujah. He wants to be our glory and the lifter of our head. But we need to be sober and vigilant, knowing that the enemy prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. I wish I could tell you, once you got saved, everything was wonderful and you never had any more troubles. Unfortunately, sadly, the, the Bible does tell us in this world we do have troubles. But take heart, he's overcome the world. And he's given us warfare weapons, the sword of the spirit that is mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. And he's promised us that every time we can trust him for the victory. Hallelujah. I want to read to you um, from the book of Nehemiah today. If you've got your Bibles, hallelujah. Nehemiah, I really 
like the book of Nehemiah. I think there's so much we can learn from this story. But let's start um, with Nehemiah chapter six. And Nehemiah, just to catch you up, is uh, he's been serving in the Babylonian king's household uh, where the Israelites have all been exiled for many years. And Jerusalem, the walls are completely burned, knocked down, reduced to rubble and ash and um, are destroyed. And Nehemiah is called by God to go and rebuild the wall. So he approaches the king and the very empire that had the walls destroyed gives him permission and supplies and help to go and rebuild it. Praise the Lord. Let me tell you, God will turn things for our good. Hallelujah. So he heads off to go and rebuild the wall and he gathers people and it's a mammoth task. And as they're rebuilding, they get some significant opposition. They get called all sorts of names. They get all sorts of attacks. And then finally here in Nehemiah 6, frustrated that their attempts to demoralize them haven't been successful, this team of um, people, Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem the Arab, get together and they start calling out to Nehemiah. We'll pick up the story here in verse two. It says, then Sanballat and Geshem sent a message to me saying, come, let us meet together at um, Shepherim in the plain of Ono. Say, Ono. I think you should say it again. Ono, in the plain of Ono. Seriously, if that doesn't give it away as a trap, I don't know what does. But they were planning to harm me. So I sent messengers to them saying, I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. Why should the work stop when I leave it, while I leave it and come down to you? I love this. They're, they're thinking, right, if we can just get him to come down into the valley of oh no, and we'll kill him there. And they say, you have to come and talk to us. It's very urgent. You need to come and speak with us. And they keep calling out, "You ring, ring, hello, urgent, you must come and talk to us. You know, that's something the enemy loves to try with us. It's called drama. Drama, come and look at me. Give me all your focus and your attention. As you're lying down to go to sleep, the enemy comes with thoughts. Drama, think about this. Oh, how is that going to work out? This could happen. That could happen. Wouldn't it be terrible? What would you do if da, da, da? Does anyone know what I'm talking about? His tactics haven't changed. He wants so badly to get your attention because if he can get your attention and your focus, he can change your direction. But Nehemiah, he sensed it was a trap. And he said, oh no, not going there, devil. He said, I'm doing a great work and I cannot come down. You know, I love that. Because previously, these guys had 
criticized him. They had um, thrown all sorts of accusations against him. But he had determined in his heart, what I am doing is the Lord's work. It has great value and I'm not going to be distracted no matter how loudly you shout. You know, sometimes I deliberately put my hand up when I'm under assault like that in my head from the enemy and I just say, not going there, devil. I begin to recognize, because my, my pastor, Jim Williams, taught me this. I, I had an accident and every time I would go past that place, I'd be re-traumatized all over again thinking about what happened. And, and Pastor Jim said, Every time you walk past there, I mean, you drive past there and that thought comes, just put your hand up and say, not going there, devil. And so I'd be driving and then the thought would start to come and I'd go, not going there, devil. And I've started to use that with all of these dramas that the enemy tries to bring. When I start to recognize something that's trying to grab me, take my hand and lead me down a path that's going to re-traumatize me, distract me, bring me into anxiety or fear or worry and be drawn into the drama. I, start, I recognize it now and I put my hand up and I say, oh no, that's a trap. Not going there, devil. And I'll turn and I'll start to think about something that's pure and lovely and of a good report. And I'll pick up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and begin to make a declaration like, I am doing a great work and I will not be distracted. <laughs> Hallelujah. There's so much that we can learn from the way Nehemiah handled himself. Hallelujah. Let's turn back to Nehemiah chapter 4. Well, actually, before we do that, we'll stay here in, in chapter six. He, he, they try and try and try. Four times they, they calling out to him, come on, come down, you've got to meet us, you've got to talk, it's just very urgent, come and talk to us. And he keeps saying, I'm doing a great work and I cannot come down. And so then they sent messengers to me four times in this manner and I answered them in the same way. Then Sanballat sent his servant to me in the same manner a fifth time with an open letter in his hand. It was written, it is reported among the nations and Gashmu says that you and the Jews are planning to rebel, therefore you are rebuilding the wall and you are to be their king according to these reports. You've also appointed prophets to proclaim in Jerusalem concerning you a king in Judah and now it will be reported to the king according to these reports. So come now and let us take counsel together. What he's doing is he's upping the ante. Like, well, no, seriously, I've heard this about you. And if you don't come and give me your attention, if you don't come down and get involved in this drama, then I'm going to spread this report and cause you trouble. You know, the enemy, he doesn't play fair. I love, um, Pastor Jim had so many one-liners. One of the things he'd say to me is, never explain. Your friends don't need an explanation and your enemies will never accept one. And I thought, that's very interesting because your enemies are not actually looking for an explanation. They're simply looking to stop you. 
And I, I sometimes discovered that the hard way on social media. You know, someone will say something nasty and I'll think to myself, if they only knew my heart. And I'll write to them. And the moment I engage, bang, it's all on. And there's seven paragraphs of vile, horrible. And I'll think, ah, block, delete, block. <laughs> and Tom says, I told you so. And I think, oh, I know, I know. You've got to choose your fights. And there are some fights that you are not called to get involved in. And this was a fight Nehemiah knew he was not called to. In fact, what it was was simply a distraction from the main cause. David's older brother Eliab tried this with him when David came down and was starting to look at, wow, who gets to take the giant out? And he began to accuse him and say, oh, I know what's in your heart. You're just proud. Where are those few sheep you've got in the wilderness? And he was trying to goad him into a fight. But David just said, what have I done now? Is there not a cause? In other words, he did what Nehemiah did. He focused himself back on his purpose and his mission and refused to engage in a fight that was simply meant to bring him into distraction. We have to be so careful to remember, like you might see something pop up on social media. Oh, that's terrible. Oh, I can't believe that. Oh, can you believe that? May not even be true. Possibly not true. But oh, you get all worked up about it and you could give all your thoughts and your energies and your conversation and all your end. And you know what? You've just gone down a rabbit warren that has taken you away from the main purpose that you were called to. I look at it sometimes. I, I see um, people's social media stuff and, and Christians and, and you look at it and you think, it's so full of so many things but if I were someone, a friend of theirs that didn't know Jesus, there's nothing there about how to find him. I could go through pages and pages and I could see a whole lot of conspiracy stuff or different stuff, but nothing about Jesus loves me. I'd like to propose to you that we're often being distracted by the Sanballats, the Tobiases, without even realizing that it's happened. That we sometimes can be taken off course by the lure of the drama. And we need to be vigilant. Hallelujah. So back here in Nehemiah chapter four, this is where it all began. Is this making sense to anybody? recognizing any of these tactics. All right, starts here, verse one. Hold it at arm's length, hallelujah, praise the Lord. Now it came about that when Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became furious and very angry and mocked the Jews. He spoke in the presence of his brothers and the wealthy men of Samaria and said, what are these feeble Jews doing? Are they, getting to, are they going to restore it for themselves? Can they offer sacrifices? Can they finish in a day? Can they revive the stones from the dusty rubble, even the burned ones? Now Tobiah the Ammonite was near him and said, even what they are building, if a fox should jump on it, it would break the stone wall down. 
basically what they were saying, and it says it here further down, uh, that they were there, that what they were doing was trying to demoralize them. They were trying to, to cause what they were doing to seem like it was worthless, that it had no value, and that it was impossible. He, he began to say things like, even a fox, if they jumped on your silly wall, would knock it down. You know, the enemy loves to do that and say, oh, everything you've sacrificed and worked for, ah, oh, I'm gonna blow it all down and it's gonna come to nothing. It could just crumble in a day. And he'd love to have you living in anxiety and fear. When you hear that voice, you need to say, not going there, devil. Oh, no. He establishes the work of my hands. Yes, he establishes the work of my hands. You pick up the scripture, you pick up the word, and you recognize the attacks. He does other things. He starts saying, and what are they trying to build? Out of rubbish and burnt stones. You know, they like to try and question your qualification for what you're doing. Now, some of us might feel like burnt stones, having been through horrific things and come out the other side and feel like, whoa, I feel burnt out. I've got good news for you. God delights to use the weak and foolish things of the world to confound the wise. I remember years ago seeing a front news page of um, the Canberra fires when 400 houses were burnt to the ground in Canberra many years ago now. But when you saw the picture, all that was left standing were the fireplaces. That is the burnt stones, the stones that had already been through the fire. And you know, going through fire is not a sign that you've done something wrong. It's a sign that the enemy hates you, but God is gonna make it work for your good. Romans chapter five, if you wanna turn there with me. Hallelujah. Verse three, and not only this, but we exalt in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance. And perseverance, proven character. And proven character, hope. And hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit. Hope comes. Hope springs from perseverance. As you have persevered and you come out feeling, oh, I feel like I've just been through so much. The great news is deep in the roots, something gold and glorious has been established. You have developed in your root system a hope that does not disappoint, a hope that others don't have, hallelujah. And it's this hope that God is wanting to cause you to begin to remember and access, hallelujah. I, I read about Joseph in the Psalms and Joseph had this incredible promise and yet he was betrayed by his brothers, thrown in a pit, 
um, left for dead, sold into slavery, did, he did his best, served really well, then he was falsely accused and thrown into prison and forgotten about. That's testing. But you know what? For all that time that he was tested, the Bible says, while the irons were around his wrists and his ankles, the iron entered into his soul. In other words, the perseverance produced hope. And there's something that happens with the burnt stones, that when the fire comes and destroys everything else, the burnt stones are still standing because the iron has entered into their soul. Hallelujah. If you don't quit, you win. Hallelujah. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Hold fast without wavering to our hope. Hold fast with the confession of our faith. That is opening your mouth. When the enemy comes in like a flood, you don't just ignore it, because if you ignore it, he doesn't go away. He, in fact, he invites his friends and tries to encircle you and overwhelm you. You need to recognize it, catch those little foxes quickly and put your hand up, say, oh no, I'm not going there, devil, and pick up the sword of the Spirit and apply it. You know, in Nehemiah, as you read on there in Nehemiah 4, you'll discover that they began to keep building the wall with a trowel in one hand and a sword in the other. They'd have the sword with them the entire time they were building. And you know what? It's a picture for us that as we're building, don't get drawn so much into the drama that you stop the good work because that's the whole point of the drama. But have the sword in your hand and every time he comes with an accusation, with a slander, with a fear, with a worry, with an anxiety, with some drama, with some sort of fearful thing that he wants to bring, pick up the sword of the Spirit and begin to declare it. Hallelujah. Nothing is impossible for those who believe. When he comes and says, ah, you're selfish, um, I mean, people can say all sorts of nasty things for someone who is focused on moving forward, who has a mission. They can accuse you of being selfish and narcissistic and all these things, and you wanna, oh, but I'm not. No, no, in the name of Jesus, you say, thank you, Father. You were persecuted. I thank you, Lord. I take joy in this, and I thank you that it's no longer me who lives, but Christ who lives in me. The truth about you is the truth about me. Thank you. Lord, that it's no longer I who lives, but you who lives in me, and you have beautiful motives. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. You need to pick up the word of the Lord and speak it out and make declarations. Hallelujah. We need to make declarations and, and um, agree that we are not going to be taken away into drama and into the, the things that would take our focus off what God wants to do. 
Philippians 3, 13 has really been on my mind this week. One thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, I reach forward to what lies ahead. Pressing forward. It's a really deliberate, intentional, not going there, I'm pressing forward. I, I have a great work to do and I'm not coming down. Hallelujah. The enemy will try all sorts of things. He'll try, throw things at you like regret. And you'll, you'll lie down to go to sleep. And when the Lord wants to fill your heart and your head with plans of what he wants to do in the future, the enemy's also ready, trying to come and give you all sorts of, well, if only you'd never said that, or if only you'd done this, or if only you hadn't done that. And anyone ever felt that? It's the enemy trying to get you to come down, trying to get you to revisit it all, trying to get you to be re-traumatized, trying to get you to undermine your own value and, and agree with him that you're worthless and stupid and oh, everything I've done is useless. Why well, I've made too many mistakes. Does it sound familiar? That's the voice of the evil one who wants to drag you down and pummel you to death. He wants to lay into you. If you even start to go there, he's not gonna treat you kindly. You're not gonna find any answers there. You're simply gonna find him jump on you and bring you down into a place of discouragement and despair. Instead, you can use the sword of the Spirit and say, forgetting what lies behind, I reach forward to what lies ahead. Because the sword of the Spirit is mighty to the pulling down of the strongholds. Hallelujah. It will not fail. It will cause uh, Satan's hosts to flee. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. You know, God, God's able to do all sorts of things with all sorts of people. When you look at the scripture, he used prostitutes to become heroes. Wow. He used adulterers and murderers and, and thieves to become great heroes. Why? Because of the blood of Jesus. When he says, when you confess your sin, he is faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness, and he remembers your sin no more. You look at the book of Hebrews, the great hall of faith in Hebrews 11. He makes no mention of Samson's sin or um, Sarah's laughing at his promise. He talks about them as great men and women of faith. Why? Because he doesn't even remember the bad stuff. Because he is a God of mercy. Hallelujah. In the same way, we must be forgetting what lies behind, laying hold of, reaching forward to what lies ahead. I've been singing a, um, a song from the movie Annie back in 1982, long time ago. And in it, um, she sings this song. Yesterday was plain awful, but that's not now, that's then. <laughs> and that little refrain has been going through my head. Yesterday was plain awful, but that's not now, that's then. Yeah, right. Hey, that's not now, 
that's then. I'm not going to remember all the pain and let you re-traumatize me all over again. I'm not going to live in fear and regret and trauma and sin and fear. I'm not going to live with the identities of the past. That's then. That's not now. That's then. Forgetting what lies behind. I reach forward to what lies ahead. What lies ahead? I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. I have laid up good works in advance for you to do. They will be fruitful even in their old age. These are all scriptures. Hallelujah. This is the truth. And this is the hope that has been uh, developed in your root system. It's time to trim back the tree and come back to the rootstock that has hope in God. And remember the main mission, the main focus. I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. Hallelujah. Oh no, not going there, devil. I reach forward. I press on to what lies ahead. Hallelujah. You know, the heart of the Father is for every one of us to live lives that are free and fruitful. He doesn't want us to be trapped into negotiating with the people and the things and the drama. You know, be careful when you hear things. Don't get involved in other people's offenses. Don't take on secondhand offense. Don't get all worked up about too many things. Pray about everything. Release it to the Lord and keep your, your mind and your heart focused on the great good works that he's laid up in advance for you to do. If the enemy is trying to tell you, oh, you've got nothing to live for, you're useless, you're hopeless, it's a lie. You, it's no longer you. Having given your life to Christ, it's no longer you who lives, but Christ who lives in you, and Christ in you has great plans for the future. He has good works laid up in advance. He has powerful prayers for you to pray. He has glorious things for you to do. I was reading a little devotional uh, from Smith Wigglesworth um, the other week. And he told a story about a hangman um, who who's, was the, his job was the, as the executioner. And um, he felt like every time someone, he hanged somebody, that the the, the bad things, is what he'd call them, would jump off them and onto him. And he was just so messed up, psychologically messed up. His marriage was in a mess. His family was in a mess. And he got to the point where he couldn't handle himself anymore and he decided to kill himself. So he went to the underground station in England and uh, was planning to throw himself off the platform in front of an oncoming train. But another fellow had given his heart to the Lord the night before in a meeting. And he was on his way home from work and looking around and just overflowing with joy about what had happened to him, that the Lord had forgiven him and come into his life. 
And as he was looking around, he just decided to go and talk to this guy. He didn't know he was the hangman. And he said, I, last night I gave my life to Jesus. He's come in and he's set me free and I've, I've received new life. How's your soul? Can I pray for you? Can I introduce you to Jesus? And you know, that man just broke down and cried. He opened his heart, received Jesus into his life. The guy took him to the meeting the following night and the night after that and the week after that. And that hangman went home to his wife, told him, told her, I've received Jesus. I was going to kill myself and God came into my life. She got saved. The sons saw such a difference in him that they also got saved. And then this guy eventually went on, became an evangelist and led hundreds of people to Jesus. I read that and I just thought, you know, it doesn't matter how bad things might look in your life. That's not now, that's then. It's a new day. His mercies are new every morning. He can make miracles out of a mess. And if he can use someone who gave their heart to the Lord the night before to rescue a life and a family and untold hundreds of others through that life, what can he do with you and I? What, you don't know what your kind word could do for somebody tomorrow. You don't know what you praying for that person tomorrow could do, even in your own prayer room. God has good works laid up in advance for you to do. You are doing a great work and you cannot come down. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Father, we're so grateful for your goodness. Oh God, capture our gaze and our focus in the name of Jesus and let it not be moved. Help us to spur one another on to love and good deeds, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I was really blessed to see David, and I, I know there was someone else on Friday night who gave their hearts to Jesus. Praise the Lord. Oh, I was so excited. Praise the Lord. And I'm so excited about the ones who watch online and respond to Jesus. We're so grateful. Praise the Lord. But if you're here today and you know in your heart you haven't responded to the Lord, you haven't made that decision to say, God, I surrender my life and I receive Jesus as my Lord, I want to give you that opportunity today. You know, the Bible says that it's the desire of God that no one would perish, but that everyone would have everlasting life. But you and I were created in His image, which means we are free to choose. And while there is breath in your body, God is trying to get your attention and show you, saying, I set before you life and death, choose life. Life is Jesus. There is no other way to the Father but by Him. He came, He became a curse because of, I read this last night, everyone who hangs on a tree is accursed. Well, Jesus hung on a tree, became a curse, so you don't have to be cursed. He suffered, he died, he was buried, and he rose again and now offers you freedom that is beyond our capacity to comprehend. 
freedom from sin and shame and punishment and eternal death. We have been set free. Hallelujah. And now he says, receive the gift of salvation. Receive, here it is. And all we have to do is humble ourselves and receive what we can have no part in earning, saying, I believe Jesus is the Son of God, that he became accursed. He became sin so I could become righteous. I believe that he suffered and died in my place so that I could have eternal life. I believe he rose again. Come into my life, Lord. Be my Lord. I surrender my life to you. I surrender my sin, my shame, my past. I give it to you. Be my Lord and my Savior. And when you do that, the Bible says you'll be born again. Hooray. <laughs> it's just so wonderful. If you're here and you know in your heart you need to make that deliberate choice, I'd love to give you that opportunity today. Would you just wave your hand at me and say, yes, today I want to give my life to Jesus. Just let me see your hand if that's you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Or if you're watching online, please write to us and tell us. We'd love to be able to pray with you. Father, I thank you, Holy Spirit, I ask that you'd help every one of us to share our faith. Lord, I ask that you'd, you'd bring us more and more souls. And Lord, I thank you as we come into this new season, this would be known as a harvesting house. <laughs> that this would be known as a house where people are being regularly saved and healed and delivered in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for joining us. If you would like to partner with us in spreading the gospel to the nations, you can do so via our website, www.glorycitychurch.com.au. We would love to hear from you. If you have a prayer need, please send us an email at info at glorycitychurch.com.au. We would also love to hear your testimonies. You can email these praise reports to info at glorycitychurch.com.au. God bless.